But uh, I'm, I'm excited to bring this message to you. I think it'll be a blessing if you open your hearts and open your minds and receive what the Lord has for us today. Let's all pray. And uh, just pray that God does something special in your heart. Father, we love you. We thank you so much. We come to you humbly. We come to you broken. Father, we come to you in need, emotionally, spiritually, physically, and in many cases. And Father, we ask that you heal. We ask that you just uh, do something special in our hearts today. As we go to your word and continue our, our The City series, Father, we pray that you would just have something special. Maybe it's just one thing for each person here. We'll give you the praise, the honor, and the glory in all that we do. In your son's name, amen. Take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Cody, on this slide, you see what I did there? All right, cool. Luke chapter 4. I'm a little dry today, so forgive me as I frequently pause and sip my coffee. Uh, Luke chapter 4, we're going to read a lot of scripture, not as much scripture as we read last week. Um, But we're going to read a a generous amount. So listen carefully as we read. Once again, it's on the slides um, if you'd like to read it there along with. Luke chapter 4, verse 31 through 37. And came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and taught them on the Sabbath days. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. I'm going to stop right there. You can leave it right there. When was the last time? that you were astonished at something Jesus said to you. When I was reading this text, obviously it's in line with our city series. You know, what does that mean? It means that we're all in different places in our life. And when it comes down to the practical day in and day out of our lives, the city, that represents your job, that represents your friends, your social life out there in Facebook and Instagram. Jesus is trying to get us to be a witness for him. He's trying to use us if we will just get out of the way and let him do his thing. Right? We talked about the wilderness, and now Jesus is taking his ministry after his preparation in the wilderness, right, with John the Baptist. He's taking his ministry to the streets. He's taking it to the city. He's taking it to places like his hometown, and we already talked about that. Now he's taking it to this place called Capernaum, a city where... Peter, James, John were on the fringe of. If he hadn't have taken it to Capernaum and done his work there, maybe there would have been some fishermen that wouldn't have gotten on fire for God the way that they did. Maybe you'll run across to Peter. Maybe you'll run across to Paul in your day-to-day life in the city that God has for you, and you don't even know. You You just need to be a witness. You just need to do what God has called you to do and share your faith. And who knows? That fisherman, Peter, that mechanic, that whoever it is that you shared your faith with, God might have something extraordinary for them because he had something extraordinary for you and you didn't sell yourself short. You understand what I'm saying? But the way God works over and over and over again is through his word. That's why it's troubling to me to watch other churches maybe other denominations, maybe other religions, where they are putting a lot of emphasis off things that are not found in Scripture. That's a, that's a problem for me. 
you know, Pastor Matt, are you calling out other? That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to call other people out and say, yeah, you ain't got it. I got it. You it's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just saying there comes a point where the word of God is our final authority. If it ain't in the book, I don't care. If it ain't in there, and that goes both ways. If we're doing it in here and it ain't in there, then maybe we should do more of what's in there instead of what's in here. You know what I'm saying. So, and, and that goes with culture, traditions, all of it. I've spent years of my life doing what's in there and not what's in there. So let, let's just focus on the word of God and let that lead us. And when Jesus, when it was time for him to go to Capernaum, that next place, that next step, remember they ran him out of the town before and he slipped through. They tried to kill him. The Bible says that they were astonished at his doctrine for his word was with power. And before we just dive into today's message, I just want to stop there and say, when was the last time you were reading the word of God and it was just like, boom, it hit you. You're like, that truth is so powerful. If you've never experienced that, check your relationship. What's your relationship status with Jesus? If you were to go on, on your Facebook page in a relationship, right? That makes sense to us because we see that. In a relationship with Jesus, some of you, you've gone on there and you've clicked off of that. You ever see that? The couples, they're not in a relationship anymore on Facebook. What happened? What happened? (laughs) It's the first thing we look. They changed their bio. What's going on? Something's not right. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? What's your relationship status with Jesus? Oh, that's good. It's complicated. You know what? And that's a good point. It doesn't have to be. The word of God is simple. If a child can grasp it through childlike faith, then if we're not grasping something, then we're complicating it. You know what I mean? When was the last time you were reading the Bible and you had that epiphany? You had that moment where you're like, that was powerful. That was life changing. I have that almost every day. Because I'm such a knucklehead, and because me, physically, I'm an idiot, right? And so I read something so incredible like the Bible, and I'm like, whoa! I'm like having aha moments all over the place. That's incredible! It's like, it's okay, Pastor Matt. Be ye kind one to another. Really? Oh my goodness, that's so awesome, Frank! Be ye kind! But you know what? When was the last time you were kind to somebody at work that was your enemy? We're taking the Bible for granted. We're taking the eternal truths of God's word for granted. When was the last time you just sat in that and had a moment? Like Chris Tomlin, that song, Resurrection. I had resurrection power living on the ins. What? Yeah. It's in there. This is my famous line. It's like ravioli. It's in there. There's meat in there. You bite that thing, it looked like a noodle, but when you bit into it, it had a surprise. It's so good. Ravioli. But you know what? What was the problem with the Pharisees during this time? Their ravioli didn't have no meat in it. Tricks on them. Go bite into one of their stuffed shells. It was stuffed with selfishness. It was stuffed with greed. And the Bible says they were full of dead man's bones. They weren't astonished with their ravioli because it wasn't in there. I just read the word of God. I I hear a song like that this week, and I don't even know. We were talking about how does Chris Tomlin keep doing that? 
Hit after hit after hit. Because it's simple. It's the resurrection power that's on the inside. Oh, Church, you need, if that don't get you going, then you got to sit and think about it maybe a little bit more. Maybe think about how bad you are without Jesus and how destitute we were without God's grace. He's so good. Anyway, that's just, that's free. That has nothing to do with today's message. I just thought they were astonished at his doctrine and his word was with power. I'll remember that. What's your ravioli got in it? Let's keep going. <laughs> Verse 33. And and in the synagogue there was a man, this is scary, which had a spirit of an unclean devil, hence the title. What are you scared of? Do you see the demons on the first title of my message? What are you scared of? How many of you are scared to go in the city at night? Like our city, like Baltimore. I'm just scared. One, I ain't scared. I ain't never scared. I'm not scared. Sure I am. I do roof estimates all week long, all over the city. We do work for the city of Baltimore. And they send us contracts, and it's my responsibility to go there, climb on the roofs, take pictures, measure, and I do an estimate for them, and then I send it in. So I'm all over the city. I did four this week that were in the city. And I have a, I have a time. Let me tell you something. I went in this one house. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Let me tell you something. <laughs> she... Really cares about cats. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> she loves them, and it is her personal responsibility to make sure every cat in the city is cared for and fed. And so that's what it was. She's like, I can let you onto the roof from the upstairs window, and then the neighbor has a ladder. You can go over there, walk over to his roof, bring it over, and use it to get on top. I'm like, sure. Why not? She's <laughs> crazy. It's another world. But how many of you would agree that there are things in the city that kind of scare you a little bit? There are things that, where God has us, the places that he has for us to go and the things that he has for us to do, there's going to be scary things there. And that's my focus today. That's really my focus. What are you scared of? If I handed out blank pieces of paper to everybody in the auditorium, I'm not going to do it, we don't have enough time, okay? But if I handed out blank pieces of paper and I said, write down on it your number one fear, The number one thing that stops you from sharing your faith today, write it down on the paper. What would it be? And I want to to teach you a little bit today that chances are that fear is tied to the devil and his demons in one way or another. Hey, church, let me help you with something. It's real. It's real. Maybe we don't hear enough preaching these days from the Bible about angels and demons. So I just want to share with you the first part of my message before we get to the practical side. It may scare you a little bit, but it's real. I read a book called Angels and Demons. How many of you know Dan Brown, that author? A few readers in here. thing was like 800 pages. I couldn't put the thing down. I read it when I was on tour for the college, traveling and singing, and I would, it was like, it's time to sing, and I'm like, okay, one more page. <laughs> it's a nail-biter, man. But it was talking about all the spiritual forces that are maybe unseen to us. But they are so there. And they are seen to God. Look at this, verse 33. And in the synagogue, and in the place of worship, there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil, which cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone! What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? 
art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the midst, the guy, the person he was in, he came out of him and heard him not. And they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this? For with authority and power he commanded the unclean spirit, and they came out. I'd have been like, Yo, you get a look. I was scared. And the fame of him went out into every place of the country round about. And he arose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house. In other words, he did his thing there, threw out the unclean spirit, and he was on to the next thing. And Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever. And they besought him for her. And he stood over her, and watch this, he rebuked the fever. You don't even got to have a pulse for Jesus to talk to you. He can talk to whatever he wants. He can look at a rock, an inanimate object, and say, Hey, yo, why don't you go three feet over that way? You understand. And the rock would be like, That's how powerful he is. He spoke to the fever. This is Jesus. How do you not believe this stuff? Watch. Rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she arose and ministered unto them. Now when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with divers' diseases brought them unto him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And devils also came out of many, crying out and saying, Thou art Christ, the Son of God. And he, rebuking them, suffered them not to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. And when it was day, he departed and went into the desert place. And the people sought him and came unto him and stayed him that he should not depart from them. I wouldn't let him go neither. And he said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also. For therefore am I sent. And he preached in the synagogues of Galilee. Now when when I preach through these series, I'm preaching through the Bible. This is the next text, okay? I'm not just arbitrarily picking another chapter. We're reading, and everybody picking up on that? I'm reading and then teaching. We're going to learn some stuff from that little passage of Scripture, okay? I want to share with you a few things. But like I said, in the beginning, I want to just teach you something. How many of you feel like you need to learn more about the Bible? Need to know more? Okay, so this part of the message is less inspirational. I'm just prepping you and more educational. Okay, so let me help you with something pertaining to the devil. Slide three in his demons. Listen to this quote by C.S. Lewis. There are two and just leave that one up there, Cody, pertaining to the devil and his demons. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils, wrote C.S. Lewis. One is to believe. Watch. One is to disbelieve, excuse me, in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. Pertaining to the devil and his demons, there's two common errors in the church and in other people. One is to say, they don't exist. That's an error. Why? Because of all the evidence Number one, the fact that Jesus said they exist. And number two, on the other side, an unhealthy fetish with the spiritualities and those powers. How many of you have met people like that? 
They're just like totally into it. I'm not picking on you, Amanda. We've got oils that summon spirits. <laughs> we, we burn candles. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, and I'm, obviously I'm being silly, but there are people out there that have an unhealthy fetish for those spirits. So C.S. Lewis in his wisdom said, don't fall into one of those categories. Ironically, research has documented that skeptics, irreligious people, and people in liberal churches, people that don't take the word of God for the word of God, are far more likely to believe in superstition, the paranormal, pseudoscience, than evangelical Christians. Evangelical Christians that accept the word of God as, as the final authority are less likely to believe in things that are extraterrestrial. E.T. phone home. You understand what I'm saying? But those that are more accepting of any doctrine are more likely to accept a truth about demons that is not true, ironically enough. Next slide. Where did the devil and demons come from? Anybody know? Anybody ever wonder that? Where does the devil and demons come from? Hopefully I can answer that question for you this morning. Originally, they were holy angels, and Satan was the highest ranking of them all. How many of you knew that? Highest ranking of them all. They lived in heaven where they served and worshiped God. Watch this. But through pride, Satan rebelled against God. Isaiah 14, 12 through 14 explains the fact that he said he will ascend above. Isaiah tells the story of somehow pride creeping in to one of the most ever created angelic beings, feeling like he could rise above. Ezekiel 28, 12-16, also tells the story of Satan's power trip. And one-third of the holy angels joined him in the attempted coup. Revelation 12, verses 3-4. through So scripturally speaking, if you go and read each one of these individual texts, and I have many times, the idea is that the devil and his angels, the devil and his demons, were all created angels, him being one of the most powerful, most beautiful. And when he chose to rebel against God, Revelation explains that one-third of the angels in the attempted coup to overthrow joined him. So every demon that we come into contact with knows heaven better than you do. Every demon that, that you maybe struggle with knows who you worship. In that passage we read, not a one of them said that he wasn't the son of God. Understand that. Stay with me with this. The idea is that they are fallen angels. In this present age, demons operate in the world to achieve the purpose of Satan and thwart, next slide, and thwart the purposes of of God. In this present age, demons operate in the world to achieve the purposes of Satan and thwart the purposes of God. They are behind the evil world system that dominates the lives of all those, watch this, who do not belong to God through faith in Jesus Christ. They are there to dominate those who have not put their faith in Jesus Christ through faith. What's their purpose? Their purpose is to go against God's purposes. That's why they exist. In John 8, 44, Jesus de- declared that all unbelievers are children of Satan. 
While in Ephesians 2, 1 and 2 and 1 John 5, 19 say that the whole unbelieving world is in Satan's power. Think about this. And I'll send this outline to anybody who wants it to go back and dig in. You're not going to get all get it all right now, but just think about this. The whole world is in Satan's power. Satan is the god or ruler of this world. John 12:31, John 14:30, and John 16:11. Who blinds unbelievers to spiritual truth? 2 Corinthians 4:4 4, 4, and leads them to declare their deception. That's what he does. And watch this, he's good at it. He's like McLeod. He just goes from generation to generation to generation and takes on a new being as an angel of light to deceive many. That's his purpose. I feel like we need to understand this. 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen through 15. Watch this. For such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. What does that mean? Paul said in 2 Corinthians 11 that if Satan transforms himself into an angel of light, then why can't we believe that all of his demons transform themselves into people professing to be preachers? And their end is themselves and not simply Jesus. What, what's the problem? The problem is, is we're ignorant of the devil and his demons. We let him wreak havoc on our lives. Scripture after scripture after scripture teaches that he is here to thwart the purpose of God, to turn many away from God and just get you to focus on yourself. And in this story, Jesus is in the synagogue, in the place of worship. And what was seated there? Son. All right, who is it? Who's got Who's got him? Sniff him out. Do you understand? Why is it impossible for us to accept the fact that there are many preachers out there who are false prophets? Satan, what he does is he wraps himself into a heavy rocker. Don't go near Satan and all of those horrible things. They kill and eat babies. They're in churches. They're behind pulpits today. Wrapping themselves as angels of light. And their end is themselves. Think about how many false religions are out there that don't point to Jesus. Why is it impossible for us to accept that? So here's the thing. Don't take it personally when your coworker is buying into that. It's not, they're not buying into something that they came to. They're buying into something that they're being fed Fed, mainline that junk. False prophet, false teacher. Here you go. Here, have some, here, have some self-worth. Here, have some good works. Open up. You're going to like this one. Be kind to everyone and do it in your own power. <laughs> Why is it so hard for us to accept that the devil works? 
Next slide. Believers, as it pertains to demonic activity, that's so much as it pertains to the world. They're being deceived. They're being hoodwinked. Does everyone see that according to the scriptures? Okay, we good? Does everyone see that? Say, I see it. it. Turn to your neighbor and say, I see. see All right. Now, I I realize now that why preachers don't preach educational messages on Sunday mornings. Everybody's like, your coffee's wearing off. When we go to phase two of the message where it's more inspirational, you can go get your coffees here in a minute, okay? Believers, as it pertains to demonic activity, in Colossians 1.13, Paul says, this is one of my favorite texts in all the Bible. This is like my jam. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness? Listen, church, as it pertains to believers, as it pertains to those that have accepted Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, where do I fit in this role of demons? I'm scared. No, don't be scared. Who hath delivered us? Jesus hath delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Verse 15, I'm waiting. (laughs) Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth. Watch this. Visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things. And by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning The firstborn, remember the first fruits last week that we talked about, from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. What he did not say was, Jesus didn't create the the demons. Jesus didn't create the devil. He didn't create those bad things that happen. How many of you noticed that it didn't say that? People who have not accepted Jesus have not accepted the things that are happening in their lives. You ever notice that? I just don't know why this bad thing has happened. I just don't know why this, why that, why this, why that. Job said, the Lord giveth and taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If we are to accept Jesus, we're to accept the fact that he created the devil and his demons. But we are to also accept the fact that he put them in their place through the blood of Jesus. You know, I'm not here to answer those huge why. I have them myself. Because we're finite beings trying to comprehend an infinite truth of why would God create the devil in the first place. But the bottom line is, is he did. He can, he's not out of control in the sense that he's not under the Lord Jesus Christ. Why does it say he will bruise his heel, but he crushed his head? Jesus is in control Because he laid down his life. The devil takes lives. Jesus gave his life. Why do we have power? Because Jesus gave his life. Conquered him through his blood. Jesus put on human flesh to thwart the devil. To go through all those temptations. To endure them. We do not have a high priest who wasn't tempted. We got a Jesus who was tempted in all points as we are tempted. Who went through every trial that we go through. Who went through every pain and conquered it. Champed it. Why? So that we can champ it and conquer it through him. The devil, the devil made me do it. 
The devil, he's so horrible. Yeah, the one Jesus created. you got to get your theology right. You have to put things in order, in perspective, the way Scripture gives it to you. You can't just create something arbitrary and say, all the bad things in my life happened because of the devil and his demons. And that's got nothing to do with Jesus. That's not true. All the bad things in your life do happen because of sin, the devil, and demons. But Jesus isn't separate from them. Jesus overcame them. Jesus crushed them. Jesus fulfilled them. Mm. That's why we have fellowship in his suffering. This is like some weighty stuff. Everybody's like, okay, angels and demons. Maybe I'll go read the book. You can go back to the slides. It's weighty. It's deep. I get it. But church, it exists. We got to stop lying to ourselves. What you see isn't everything. There's the unseen. If we're going to do something in the city, if we're going to do something for God, we have to realize that God has enemies. And those enemies are working hard against us. But if God be for us, who can be against us? Angels and demons. How many of you learned something? Okay, good. Understand this. Practically speaking, Luke chapter 4, verse 33. And in the synagogue there was a man. I'm getting to the inspirational part. You need it. Trust me. And in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of, unclean, of an unclean devil. Remember our story? Jesus was in the synagogue. He saw a man sitting there, had an unclean devil speaking out. There's a few things about this story of the unclean devil, and then when Jesus throws him out and then goes to Simon's mother's girlfriend's brother's sister's house, whatever, the Bible says it. You know, it's like my mother-in-law twice removed. She had a fever, and Jesus fixed it. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Like that one on Twitter. Anyway, but when he went there to that house and rebuked the fever, right, there's some things that we can practically learn. See, here's the problem. How many of you have ever met those Christians that are, like, totally in, right, Totally obsessed with all the nuanced covenants in the Bible and all the scriptures that support angels and demons, and they're constantly looking for it, right? And they're so obsessed with the truths of God's word, I would say the facts of God's word. They're so heavenly minded that they're no earthly good. Practically speaking, they miss the boat. They're having marital trouble. Their relationship is completely falling apart. The wife is about to to leave. And he's like, you know what it says over here in Deuteronomy chapter 13? Honey, you need to step in line. (laughs) And I I don't even know what Deuteronomy 13 says. But, But we all have experienced people like that where it's like, They have the Bible, and the Bible is there, Miss Phyllis, and it's in their hand. And if you do one thing that's against it, they're ready to what? Do you say something against me? Here's the scripture verse to support my position. What about the 20 other scriptures that support their position? What do you do with that? The problem is, is they're so theological, they're on such a high mountain, spiritually speaking, that they've lost sight of reality. And the devil and his demons are over there going, 
This guy thinks two seconds about being kind to somebody, and all I have to do is throw a little scripture verse in there and make him mad again about all the bad that's going on in this world. There are people that are so angry about all the sin in the world that they can't love their neighbor. Look at that neighbor. If he would just get Jesus. He, he wouldn't have all the same trouble you have in your life. All the same marital issues. All the horrible children that you have that you're raising. Great job, buddy. You're making Jesus look real good. Man. Am I off base? Do you understand what I'm saying? Have we met those people? I was that guy before. Where I'm like 100 miles an hour for Jesus. We're running and youth group and, and activities and all this crazy stuff. And my, my wife's like, yo, when was the last time we had a date? I don't know. We'll have a date in the millennium, sweetheart. We're reaching people for Jesus. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? I was so consumed. I was missing it. Angels and demons. You know the most powerful thing as a pastor that I can do to lead you as my people? That God has chosen to have for for me to shepherd over you? You know the most powerful thing I can do to help you? Have a good marriage. Raise good kids for the glory of God. Have a balanced life. Say, hey guys, I'm shutting my phone off. I'm going. Why? Because that's an example under the believers. Do you get what I'm saying? There's been times in my life that practically speaking, I was way off base. But I had that scripture verse. Let's practically approach this story. I think it'll be a help. Real quick. I know I'm, oh, I'm good. 12.05. Let me give you five things, okay? You're like, oh my God, I saw it. <laughs> five things! Don't you know I gotta go bathroom? I'm pregnant. No, I'm kidding. You, Georgia, you go to the bathroom anytime you want. We're not stuffy here. We're not stuffy. Five quick things, practically speaking. We already know the story. Watch this. The demon was in the synagogue. We need to just accept that fact right now, that there was a demon in the synagogue. If you got a demon in your heart this morning, then you're not of God. You have not accepted Jesus. And I would encourage you this morning, I know this is weighty, but it's super practical. Accept Jesus. Have you been blinded? Does one of those scripture verses apply to you where every time you went to accept Jesus, there was just one or two reasons why you just fully couldn't commit? I was all in, and then he said that one thing, or they're real. Don't let the devil put his thumb on you. Because let me tell you something, Jesus will rip that junk off. He'll take that band-aid and squash it. I'd be, an, I'd be foolish, ignorant, to believe that there wasn't something in this church. I've experienced it this week. Hasn't the devil fought this week? And, and all of us. There's someone here right now. I'm not here to cast out demons. That's not what I'm saying. I'd probably run out with my tail between my legs. <laughs> just, just kidding. But, practic- <laughs> but practically speaking, there was a demon in the synagogue. Focus on that. Number two, Jesus' words were twofold in verse 35. Rebuking the demon, but watch this, saving the man. 
The Bible says that he rebuked the demon and he threw the man. He threw himself into the floor. But when the demon came out, the Bible says that the man was unharmed. How many of you remember the story of the maniac of Gadara? Cutting himself, running naked through the tombs, right? The devil and his demons can physically harm, but Jesus can stop that. His rebuke was to the demon, but his help was to the man. Just think about that. I'm used to that stuff. (laughs) Think about that, church. Just when you feel like, I can't let go. Practically speaking, I just don't know if I can ever see it the way Pastor Matt sees it. Jesus' words are what threw that demon out. And Jesus' words are what helped the man. Here's my point. Don't do it on your own. Maybe no one's ever looked at you and said, it's okay. Jesus can handle it. Do you believe it? Practically speaking, his words were twofold. Number three, there is nothing that does not respond to Jesus. Practically speaking, there is nothing that doesn't respond to Jesus. Hashtag the fever. What do I mean? What is in your life that you feel like you just don't have the power over it? I just don't have the power over that. It's crushing me. I am I'm just buried underneath of this thing. My yoke is easy. My burden is what? Light. Light. He went to Simon's mom's brother's grandmother's sister's cousin's house and they said, this girl, this woman, Pastor Brownlow, she's sick. She's got a fever. She's got a problem in her life and it is affecting everything around her. And Jesus stood over the top and said, hey, fever, come up on out of there. Fever. I got a God that speaks to fevers. Oh my goodness gracious. Practically speaking, I'm about to lose my mind here because I got a God that's big enough to speak to a little fever. I paid for the mic. It's okay. The point is, is he spoke to the fever. I really did buy it. Church. There's something so big in my life. I just can't. Mo, I just can't wrap my head around it. He just hulked a demon in the middle of a service and the man didn't even get hurt. We're missing the practicality of the story. You're sitting here freaking out, Nick, about everything that you got going on and about all the harm it's going to cause in your family. And Jesus spoke a word and the man with a demon in him. How many want to experience that? See me come over. I don't know. That's my guess. Dude's got a demon in him. He was thrown up in the floor. And the demon came out, and the man was like, Whoa. Oh my goodness. Where's my wife, my kids? How long has it been this way? Can you imagine? He was like looking up his Twitter feed. What did I say? It wasn't me, it was the demon. Hashtag it was the demon. Get it out. (laughs) Look, how 
many of you think that that story is just great? And we don't read the Bible? I don't get it. The Bible's awesome. And then, if that's not good enough for you, Christian, the fact that he threw a demon out and the man was totally good, not a scratch, he goes to sister brother Martha's sister's cousin's house and speaks to the fever. What is it in your life that has got you so hung up that you can't be a witness to somebody? What are you scared of? I'm scared of getting sick. I'm scared of losing my child. I'm scared. I have a fear of that. I'm just going to be real with you. I'm scared of the devil's got you. He's got his little thumb over your head. Sorry. (laughs) Just let's not forget, church, that Jesus spoke to a fever. Put that one out there. What's the next one? Practically speaking, practically speaking, Jesus proves the need for us to regroup through prayer. Look at the text. If you have your Bibles open, if not, I'll read it right to you right right now. Verse 42 in our text says, And when it was day, he departed, watch this, and went into a desert place. And the people sought him and came unto him and stayed him that he should not depart. Watch this. Mark 1.35 in a synoptic gospel. Mark 1.35 says this. Same story. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. Church, Jesus shows us the need practically to regroup through prayer. I'm not here to give you a set of points that that make sense. I'm here to just tell you what Jesus did. Is that cool? You guys good with that? Jesus spoke to the fever and found the need to wake up early the next day and regroup through prayer. I've said it before. One of the biggest troubles that we have in the Christian church is that we are lazy. You're having an affair with the snooze button. If you, if you put as much effort into your marriage as you do that snooze button, man, you'd have a good-looking marriage. You'd have some good-looking kids. You'd have a great job. You'd be making money left and right if you put as much into it as you do that snooze button. Jesus, I can just imagine. Dude, it had to be a burly man, son of a carpenter. He didn't even need an alarm clock. The Father sent him. The Father dictated his steps. And he woke up early in the morning. They thought Jesus was doing it on his own. They thought Jesus was just speaking to fevers and throwing out demons and doing all this crazy stuff on his own. No. He said, I got the power of the Holy Spirit. I have the wisdom and direction of my Father. And I'm going to raise up early the next morning and I'm going to communicate with him. I don't care how good you are. You're not better than Jesus. And he reminds me every day that I need to go to a quiet place and have some prayer. It's so practical. But how many of you did it this morning? How many of you did it yesterday? You know, it seems to me that we could be doing better as a church. You agree? Say, I agree. agree. We could be doing better. How about we have 100 people that pray tomorrow? How about we have 100 people that pray 
on Tuesday and that pray on Wednesday and that pray on Thursday and that pray on Friday and that pray on Saturday. And by the time we get here next Sunday, let me tell you, we're going to be a different looking church. We are going to be a spiritual walking, Jesus talking force of almighty nature to reach the world that is lost and dying, to reach the world that is covered. Their eyes are blinded by those demons and blinded by the devil. If we would just regroup and pray. I can't overstate it. Last one. I think there's one more. Jesus proves the need for us to focus on every city and not just our own. He said in the text, verse 45, I believe. I know you want me to stay. I know you want me to keep throwing out demons and healing people. He's getting there. But he said, verse 43, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also. As much as we don't like it when people leave to go to other cities, it's scriptural. I got confirmation of that this week. Church, let's get busy. Once we get it here, we got to go do more. Once you start sharing at work, once you start sharing some love on your social feed, there's going to be more. Oh, wait. There's more. Every head bowed, every eye closed.